Welcome on in to the Monitor Sports Podcast. Eric Rinson-Lobel here with Dana Torrey. It is playoff week. It's kind of been playoff week the last couple of weeks, but it's really playoff week now. We got D1, D2 boys and girls basketball playoffs starting this week. Hockey playoffs starting. We're going to recap the Division Three boys and girls basketball playoffs that wrapped up this past weekend. We also have some wrestling results to catch you up on as well. And in the second half of the show, if you like wrestling, you'll get some more insight into Bo and John Stark. I talked with Bo wrestling coach Bill Chavanel and John Stark wrestling coach Zach Feudner about their programs. Um, Zach is in his second year coaching John Stark, Bill in his first at Bo. So just kind of getting an understanding of kind of where those programs are, how they built them up, because neither had as much success in uh, last year as they did this year. So both were good stories uh, to kind of wrap up the wrestling seasons with. So that'll be in the second half of the show. But Dan, let's start with some basketball and talking D3 playoffs. So uh, you were at the D3 girls championship game on Saturday, late afternoon into early evening. Um Conquer Christian beats the number two seed, beats number one Conant, 49-35. Conquer Christian needed a big comeback on Friday against Stevens uh, to win 51-45 to advance to that championship game. And it's a cool story. I mean, Conquer Christian, not a huge school. Uh, I have a story that'll be in Tuesday's paper about the fact that they only have seven girls on their roster and the seven girls encompass four families. There's, I think, what, three sets of sisters and then Coach Carlisle's daughters on the team. So it's a it's a really small group, but they were able to figure out a way to beat Conant. Conant was the only team that Conquer Christian lost to in the regular season. They played twice. They split the matchups. Conant won the first one, 59-58. And if I remember correctly, Coach Carlisle said that was one of the only games this year where they've had players in foul trouble. And of course, when you have a roster of seven, foul trouble is really going to kill you. So, but they were able to figure out a way to win. And I think all the more impressive situation was the same for both teams, but having to play a semifinal Friday championship Saturday, I mean, for, for, for Conan, it was two games in less than 24 hours. Conquer Christian was about 24 hours, um, but a great, a great outcome for uh, CCA. It was it was so fun to watch. Uh, I, I was very happy for them to see them uh, finish out the story. The, the setup for the championship game could not have been any better. As you said, it was the number one versus the number two seed. Um, both teams had only lost one game throughout the regular season to each other. So this is kind of the, the third and final installment of this trilogy. Being in the championship game, um, you have Conan, who just powerhouses in this division for the last last seven years um they have a group of seniors who in their four years as members of the conan orioles their combined career record 77 and three they've only lost three games in uniform two of them the conquer christian the other was to Manadnock in last year's championship game um finals appearances every year i mean this is a powerful conan program they have two first team all-state players they have emma tenters who's last year's player of the year um as coach carlisle said she voted for her again to be player of the year this year so a likely candidate for that uh and conquer christian really were able to to shut him down it, it, the Never really in doubt. Conquer Christian jumped out to an eight nothing lead to open the game before a Conan uh, timeout at five forty in the first quarter. So pretty quick. Um, Conan tied it up briefly at fourteen apiece in the second quarter, and after that, it was really just all Conquer Christian. Um, Conan, I think at one point they, they they you know kept it within single digits for a while, and then in the third quarter it started to creep into double digits, but. It was a fantastic game for Conquer Christian. They really deserve that win. Um, and it's fun because they play they play their style. Like, um, you know, they're kind of figuring out how to play against other teams, but a lot of it is just them playing their game and then executing it. They run the ball hard. They they play very aggressively. They shoot well from the perimeter. They, they don't really change it, but they do a whole lot. They were just 
very, very good at what they do. Um, kind of an undersized team, both in terms of roster size and overall size. So what they were able to do, um, especially when the championship was they moved the ball so well, they really spread the floor. Uh, and they rotated quite a bit, which forced Conan's uh, key players, Emma Tenthers being one of them, out of the paint. And Concord Christian, which is not a very you know big team in either sense of the word, they out-rebounded Conan 41-19. to on the offensive boards, they had a 23 to 4 advantage. Um, they outscored them 20 to 6 in the paint. They outscored them 19 to nothing on second chance points. And that was really the difference um, in, in that one. They held Emma Tenters to one point, one point and five rebounds in the whole contest. Um, Bryn Radiola, the other first team player I referred to, had 21 for Conan and, and she did most of their scoring. But I mean, all seven of Conquer Christian's players um, were great. Emma Smith was really a standout. She dropped 26 points in the semifinals. She had uh, 10 points and 15 rebounds, uh, 10 off the offensive glass. Uh, to uh, in the win, yep, 10 points, yep, 10 points, uh, 10 offensive boards and 15 total boards. Uh, Lily Carlisle, 13 points, six rebounds, Megan Muir, uh, 12 points, all on three pointers. Um, Sarah Muir, 8.6 rebounds. She had a 6 0 run, uh, in the second quarter to, to kind of help CCA pull away a little bit. So it was really cool to watch them play. Um, a very pro Conan crowd, which makes sense at Keene Conan, very uh, Conan High School, and Jaffrey, very close to Keene. So, really, essentially a home game for Conan. Um, not a huge uh section of Conquer Christian fans, and uh, Conquer Christian really took it to them. It was a, it was a great game and was very happy to see them close out um close out the way they did i mean really they the, tactically they did a very good job at 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 changing the game to a way that benefited them and sort of took away um conan's advantage but really you know they just are such a good they're just good basketball players. They play their game and they execute very well, where I think a lot of our teams in our area that we really talk about, they're very strong teams, but not so much because of their basketball skill, but more just because of their athleticism. Um, whereas Concord Christian, they're a very strong, skilled basketball program. And, and they do an excellent job. And I, I'm going off script a little bit here because I have heard this from people. I've covered Conquer Christian a lot in the last couple of years. And when I, you know, meet other people at these games, they're like, oh, they they must recruit. They they do not recruit. These are all kids who go through the Conquer Christian program if you see their rosters over the years and you recognize a lot of the family names you know these are families and these are kids who who have grown up going through the conquer christian schools together and and playing together they're just a really good basketball team and and you'll get more of this from your story eric but really the team chemistry um among the seven of them you know you know four four families you know who are you know are very close really you can see that on the court they deserve the win and it was a really it was really fun to watch really fun to witness that so conquer christian the d3 girls basketball champs for 2022-23 now the other area team that made it to the final four hopkinton they their season came to an end on friday against conant uh with a 46 31 loss so hopkinton had a great season um but they're going to lose eight seniors off this year's roster. So um, good chance next year is more of a rebuilding year or at least playing players that have a little bit less experience. Um, but obviously, I'm sure they're not really worried about next year yet. Uh, Dan, overall, this was a good year for Hopkinton. They they pulled off the minor upset 4-5 game to get to the semifinal. Coach Pat Roy said that you know there was really nothing for them to – hang their heads about because, you know, they did what they could. Conan's a very good team. They have a couple of good shooters that you talked about. And if they hit shots, they're just kind of a tough team to beat. And, you know, they did, they, they, they struggled really in the second quarter. I think that was the quarter when they didn't make a field goal or didn't yeah. score like two points or whatever it was or both. Um, and I think he, coach had said at halftime that he told the, the team that, you know, look, if this is going to be it for us, let's play like us. 
we can't play tentative. We can't be worried about what they're going to do. We need to play like, like us. And they did hold Conan to just 10 points in the second half, but the offense just couldn't, they, the, the, the real thing that did Hopkins in was just the inability to shoot from anywhere that wasn't immediately around the rim. They just was no outside shooting and it made things very tough against the good Conan team. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, it was tough and it was kind of heartbreaking to watch because you could see how, you know, Hopkinson, they have the makings of a very good, of a very good team. They just, they, they, you know, don't have like that one pure sort of go-to, um, you know, shooter who can, who can just shoot from anywhere on the floor, but they, they play very well together as a team. Um, you and I both noticed that they rotated a lot of players in. They, they rotated in the most players out of any of the teams that we saw um, play in that final four. I would guess maybe they had like 10 players in um, probably no other team uh, that we watched this weekend cracked that number. So they've got a lot of different players in, um, you know, they, they moved the ball really well. They played very good defense, you know, holding, holding Conan down um, and keeping, you know, tenors and Radiola, you know, keeping their, their star players in, in check. Um, they just didn't have enough offense and, and kind of ran out of steam on their, on their own end. Um, but really a great season for Hopkinton. I've been, you know, very high on them this whole, this whole year watching them play. And, and, uh, you know, they, they ultimately, they lost to a really good team, which, you know, was not, you know, a surprise to anyone. Conan's been the best team, you know, up until, (laughs) up until Saturday, um, you know, have been, you know, regarded as the best program in the division for the last, you know, seven, eight years. Um, So it's, it's been, it was a really great run uh, for Hopkinton. I'll be curious to see what they do next year with, with so few, players returning uh, but they played really hard um in both you know really entertaining games to watch on friday night it was also a, a bittersweet week for hopkinton boys maybe i guess more bitter than than sweet because their season came to an end but uh the 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 hawks boys team also uh lost in the semifinals that was on wednesday night they played number one guilford who ultimately won the d3 championship game on saturday Hopkinton lost the game 62-42, but this the final score is a little bit deceptive because Hopkinton was within one. They trailed 30-29 to early in the third quarter of that game, yeah, but the challenge was really that Hopkinton was maybe playing six guys, maybe seven if you're being generous, but really relying on the five starters, and when you're facing a team like Guilford that you know, coach Matt Miller basically said like, look, we have a fantastic team. They have a phenomenal team. And I guess you could say maybe fantastic and phenomenal mean the same thing. So there's not much of a difference, but in his, in that situation, he's saying Guilford has, you know, more skilled players than his guys. They also just have much more height. I mean, there's really no other way of looking at it. I mean, Hopkinton has two guards under like maybe who are like five, nine, five, eight and Guilford pretty much their entire five players were always either 5'11 or over six feet. So it made it very hard to find driving lanes. And and for the most part, Hopkinton did a pretty good job in the first half of just hanging in there. Like even when Guilford opened up a lead, they would claw back, but eventually they just kind of ran out of, ran out of steam. But even still a, a really, a really successful season for Hopkinton, Matt Miller's first year as a head coach could definitely, you know, uh, make the case that it it lays a strong foundation for future years. This is a team that loses three seniors, but only one of the seniors was a starter. So, you know, we'll see what else happens with the roster. But a lot of these guys, Dan, coming back next year and, and reason for optimism about, you know, this team can compete for a D3 championship next year, potentially. Yeah. And and Guilford went on to win the championship game, sixty nine to forty three. Guilford ran the table and wrapped up a perfect season. This is their fourth straight, their fourth straight championship. Their third, like one of those was the COVID year where they there was a no contest and and they gave um and technically co champions, but really in some share champions for four years in a row in Division three and Mascoma dominated at semifinal it you know like Mascoma is a very very good team um and Guilford 
really shut them down in the championship. They had four players and double figures led by Jalen Reese with 24. And he, you know, they're, they're, you know, tallest and, you know, probably the player of the year in division three, um, you know, really took it to Mascoma early. And, you know, there's kind of the same thing that they did to Hopkinton, you know, they're, they're playing good teams, but they just have a lot of, they have a lot of athleticism. They have a lot of height and, you know, you you have those two things, and they're and they're good basketball players too. But you just can't. Yeah, I don't. I don't think anyone was was really going to beat them. I think it's always a possibility. But I think really, when you look back, I mean, Guilford with a perfect record and four time champions. I, you know, I it would have taken something really special to knock them off this year for any team. So that puts a bow on D3 basketball season. Again, Concord Christian, the girls champs, and then Guilford, the boys champions, uh, Hopkinton boys and girls, both having their seasons end in the semifinals. So mentioned also at the top of the podcast that D1 and D2 playoffs get underway this coming week. A lot of local teams that will be participating First on the girls' side, Dan, we have a double local matchup on Wednesday. Uh, Pembroke, the eight seed, finished the season thirteen and five, will host Merrimack Valley, the nine seed, that finished the season eleven and seven. The winner will have the unenviable task of facing eighteen and zero Bow on Saturday, but they're not worried about that right now. What what is interesting though is that these two teams have already faced each other twice this year. Pembroke won both. They won 59-49 to open the season on December 13th and then 40 uh 53-48 in late January. Um and you know, you always hear the cliche, well, it's hard to beat a team three times in a season. But I was talking to Pembroke uh coach Steve Langvin on Friday, and he said he estimated they've played each other like eight times in the last two and a half years because I mean it's a two schools that are close to each other. They'll play in, you know, any capital area stuff or they'll match up twice in a regular season because they're geographically close to each other. And so there's nothing that either team is going to do. That's going to surprise anybody. It's more of just, can you execute better, better than the other yeah. team? So that that'll be the big thing to watch. And, and, and the thing that's been encouraging on the Pembroke side this year is the growth, because this was kind of more of a, viewed as a rebuilding year maybe a team that's still expected to make the playoffs but maybe not as an eight seed and coach said like you know this probably went better than we expected because the girls were simultaneously winning and learning and improving at the same time which is probably the best case scenario that you could ask for as a coach I mean this is a team that started the year four and three finished winning nine of the last 11 games so um, you know, they've had a great run and then MV's going into the playoffs on a, on a seven game uh, winning streak. So both teams kind of coming in with momentum. Now it's just a matter of who can really out outmaneuver the other on Wednesday night. Yeah, I think what what's interesting, especially with with basketball, when you get into these clutch situations, and we talked about this a little bit with D3 is who, you know, like having a really strong team can get you through a lot of regular season stuff. But when it comes down to crunch time in the playoffs and you need to get that key basket and you just need to have that person who can rely on the score points. I think Pembroke has that person and Annalise Dexter, who's an all state player from last year. Um, Pembroke has a lot of, of young talent on the team, but uh, Annalise, I uh, believe her uh, being a junior only, I think she's only a junior. Um, you know, having such a great season last year and kind of picking up where she left off this year. I think having that clutch player who you can go to, to, you know, know where you're sending the ball to kind of go for that key basket in clutch moments when you need it, I think is, is a really big thing in the playoffs and that can kind of separate, um, you know, and that can make a difference in, in these close games is knowing, you know, that you have that, you have that person, you know, that one, you know, leading score that not every team has. So, um, you know, I like, I like Pembroke 
for that. Um, uh, MV has been a very good defensive team. So I think that's, I think maybe a matchup that we're looking at is the defense of Merrimack Valley versus how well they can hold some of, um, you know, Dexter and some of Pembroke's other, you know, top offensive players in check and can MV generate enough offense. They've played a lot of low scoring games. So um, how that will go in, in the playoffs will be interesting. And, you know, and like you said, the winner plays Bo. That's going to be a really, that's going to be a really tall order, especially at Bo. But, you know, and you saw in the soccer season, just something about these local matchups, these double local matchups where you have teams that know each other really well. Anything can happen. So I'm I'm excited the bracket worked out this way where we get a couple. We're getting at least two double local games right off the bat in the early rounds. Should be pretty exciting. And I think as you were alluding to, it's just like there's there's something you said about that familiarity aspect because it it partially potentially eliminates the like aura of oh my god we're playing an eighteen and O team like they've uh, they've seen each other this year I mean you know that the, that Bo is probably better but you've seen them you know what how you you know what you need to do to to win the game mm-hmm. um, so but also getting back to your point about defense for MV. I mean, the real thing, as you said, is offense, you know, because their defense has been really good. But even even in the seven game win streak to close out the season, MV only had one game where it scored more than 50 points. So, you know, if they play the game their way, it might be whoever gets to 45 or 50 first win, you know, wins. But um, that's really the question is, can they generate enough scoring to hang in there against Pembroke and what's likely going to be a close game because as we detailed, I mean, both games were first game was a 10 point game, second game, a five point game. So likely to be a pretty close one heading uh, down, down the stretch on Wednesday. Now the other two D two girls area teams that will play in the first round, uh, John Stark will play number five, Laconia Stark, the 12 seed. And then number 13, Bishop Brady will play number four Hanover um, as well both those games will be on Wednesday and then over on the D1 side Concord had a chance to position itself to host the game but they dropped to the nine seed after losing to Salem on senior night last Tuesday so the tide are going on the road to face number eight Dover um, so they will presumably not play any more home games this season and they're another team that's been very up and down this year. They kind of hit a good stretch to end the year before losing to Salem, a team that's not great last week. But um, hope head coach uh, Rob Darrell's hoping that they can maybe rediscover that success that they had before Monday, uh, Tuesday's loss as they enter the postseason. Then on the boys' side, the double we have another double local uh, first round game. Number six, Cole Brown will play number eleven, Bo, in uh, on Tuesday at Cole Brown. These two teams did not face each other in, in the regular season, um, but Bo is on a decent run right now. They've won three out of four to close out the regular season. Cole Brown beat Milford sixty-eight forty-four on Friday after losing in overtime to Pembroke in a really good game last Monday, seventy-one to 68 so that that should be an interesting matchup to watch for sure again double local on tuesday at cole brown and then number eight merrimack valley will host number nine lebanon on tuesday as well um and then also wanted to mention that pembroke the two seed will host the winner of conval against kennett on friday in the quarterfinals and our d1 area team conquered just missed out on the playoffs. We talked on last week's show about how they basically had they had to beat Salem to get in. Well, the Tide lost that game, so they will be on the outside looking in. But still, a, a relatively successful season for the Tide. Six and twelve doesn't jump off the page, but it's three times the number of wins that the team had uh, last season. So, Dan, any uh, boys basketball uh, notes jumping out at you? Um, I mean, I think the D2 boys is is wide open more so than the D2 girls. I think any one of the, 
you know, the top eight teams has had some pretty big wins and have played each other pretty close. You saw number eight MV take it to um, really take it to some of these top teams losing uh, by two points to Sauhegan, uh, which I believe is the number three seed. Um, so it'll be pretty close. Um, I think the quarterfinal round could be really interesting. Um in this bracket, I like Cole Brown over Bo. I think, you know, Bo is a very good team. Cole Brown is just so much more experienced and, and they have a veteran team as opposed to Bo, which is playing with a lot of freshmen uh, who are very talented. It's a very good team, but I think that experience uh, will mean something, especially on their home floor. Um, hopefully we get some more double local matchups on the boys side as well. That would be, uh, that would be pretty exciting. Uh, that's it that I have uh, for boys. And then hockey playoffs also starting this week uh, on the girls side. We have a do- another double local, a number four Bishop Brady Trinity Londonderry or Bishop Brady Londonderry Trinity. If you want the BLT acronym, we'll face number five Concord uh, in the quarterfinals on Friday. These two teams play each other back on January 14th. Concord won that game uh four to one so uh that that should be an interesting matchup because both teams are kind of in a different uh spot than they were in uh early in mid-january um so dan i mean conquered girls a team that kind of closed out the season on, on a good stretch yeah, I'm really excited for this one. Um, I think that you know, as you said both teams are, are in very different places than they were um when they uh then when they face each other in mid in mid January. Um yeah, I mean Concord's uh so I mean Concord won that that other meeting, but I think BLT's they they've had a lot of big wins since then. I know BLT they beat Bishop Girton. Uh Concord lost to Bishop Girton recently. So I think if you look at the mutual opponents, um I think that could be, you know, that could be interesting. Um but I think it'll be a great game. And again, we love I love double locals in the playoffs. So I think that'll be that'll be really exciting. Um, you know, exciting stuff on the boys side as well. Um, number six, Bo, Bo Falcons hosting their first playoff game since moving up to division one. Uh, I think this is maybe their sixth year in division one. So, uh, you know, a big, a big, um, you know, a, a huge turning point for the Falcons as far as their program's history. This is a really big milestone for them. Um, and then Bo's victory over Pinkerton of that 4-3 win on January 14th, that really kicked off Bo's uh, winning streak. Uh, Bo won nine of its final 11 games. I know they closed the season with five straight wins um, thanks to their win over Salem on Saturday. So, I mean, I think that's going to be it, – it'll be a good game. Um, you know, I think – you know, Bo hasn't been necessarily consistent enough throughout the whole year to really, you know, lock it down. Um, you know, D1 boys, there's just a decent amount of pair, unless you're playing Concord. Um, honestly, there's a good amount of parity in the in the division. So I think it'll be a good game. Um, and number one Concord, you know, um, you know, hosting Exeter and, and uh, the winner of Exeter and Keene in uh I believe it's Saturday's quarterfinal is when Concord um, is when Concord boys will play. Um, but I love that no matter how much Concord wins, you know, when, when the coaches send in their um, send in their their thoughts on the games, you know, Dunk is always very, you know, very even. Um you know, not getting, you know, too high or, or too low when whenever, you know, Concord um you know, regardless of how they do, but uh, this is this is really exciting, and this is when the games really really count. So uh, I am very excited for the uh, for the hockey playoffs. And uh, Eric, just a few notes on wrestling. We had the meet of champions on Saturday. Um, we had five local boys go to New England. Bo's Adler Mora was second at one hundred twenty pounds. Winnesquam's Henry Osmer second at. 138. Winnesquam's Ryan Cormier was third at 106, and then two conquered grapplers, Griffin Narwalt at 120, and Rumi Mystery at 182, both finishing third. The top three in each weight class moving on to New England's. And then a historic day at Bedford High School. 
as well. Not only was it the wrestling meet of champions, it was the first ever girls wrestling state championship. I counted 47 girl wrestlers from 14 different teams. Um, and it was, uh, you know, really, uh, really exciting to, to have that milestone conquered. Madison Beauregard, the first ever state champion at 182, um, earning that crown on Saturday. And then John Stark, Casey Rhodes at 132, and Rebecca Mussey at 160, both getting runner-up um, awards for their performances and their respective weight classes. So a big milestone for New Hampshire wrestling. I know that uh, the goal is to have more wrestlers um, in those brackets for next year. And then at some point, eventually add in a team competition. Um, but it was really cool to see that, uh, see that history, see that history be made and to have some, so many locals included in that, um, is, is really cool. So I definitely wanted to shout out, um, Concord's Madison Beauregard, you know, for, for making history on Saturday and the John Stark wrestlers, uh, who are also part of that as well. All right, let's get to the two wrestling interviews I did first with Bo wrestling coach, Bill Chavanel. Excited to be here with Bo's first-year wrestling coach, Bill Chavanel. Bill, welcome to the podcast. Great to talk to uh, some wrestling. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm happy to be here. So you guys uh, have had a really great season um, that mostly culminated with the Division Three Championships um, last Saturday on February 18th. I know you'll have some wrestlers competing uh, Saturday at the State Meet of Champions. Um, but but for you, this was your first year coaching, 25 years old, coming into this program. Um, you know, what were you, how what have your general thoughts been on how everything had transpired in your first year? Yeah, I mean, this year was definitely uh, I, it's, it's something I'm gonna remember for a while. I mean, you always remember your first for you know just about everything, right? Um, but th- these group of guys that I had the um, honor to coach, um, they were awesome all the way through. You know, we, we came into this thing. I knew last year they didn't have the most uh, great season with a couple of things that were out of their control. Uh, numbers weren't really well. The, the culture around it, you know, there were people that wanted to support the team, but like, there was nothing really in place. So for me coming in to have the support and make sure I took advantage of that, uh, the kids did all the work from there. Um, they worked their butts off all year, and the results show coming in that second place behind uh, Plymouth, which we were pretty competitive with all year. Uh, that speaks volumes about how great this group is. I wanted to talk more about just what you alluded to in, in building up the program just with numbers because you know, wrestling is one, one of the unique sports that, that uh, high schoolers can participate in where you, know, like you can – you you can't really take up basketball for the first time as as a ninth or tenth grader, right? But but you can come out and wrestle for the first time, even with no experience. Um, so how did you kind of go about bringing kids on board and keeping them engaged throughout the year? Yeah, I, I think really it just came down to you know letting them know, like, listen, you don't have to know what you're doing. Um, preferably, obviously, if you had the prior prior experience, like you know an Adler Mora who's been wrestling since he was you know five or six, that's great. Um, but we have a lot of like first year sophomores, juniors, and a good amount of freshmen that came out who had no idea like what they were doing. But the, the message has always been the same: just keep showing up. And I, and I think that's true for a lot of things that you do in life, right? Just keep showing up to the things uh, that you might not be particularly good at, but you want to be good at. Um, and with these, we really relied heavy on these first year kids. Um, Desire Funches comes to mind, who plays fourth at a really stacked 160 uh, weight class. You know, he w- he came in unseated, and he's a first year wrestler. You know, big athletic kid, but he just showed up to every single practice and kept working his tail off, and the results showed. Now, would he have wanted to go and get the first place medal? I'm sure he would have, but the fact that he didn't stop working and, and got on the podium is a huge deal. And he's a first year junior, and he's never re- touched the map before, so um, I can't speak enough about how great our first year kids are overall now one of the things when we talked i guess about a month ago now you had said that you were eager to see you know who was going to step up once you got to the champ you know d3 championships who was going to continue to progress in the latter month of the season 
Anybody in particular stand out? I know you mentioned a couple guys. Yeah, I got to. Um, I think I already touched on Desire. Desire again. It's just another first year kid who came up pretty big, especially in our later rounds. Um, you you expect the Adler Moores of my team to do well. You know, D three state champ uh, for the second time in a row. Um, Nick Ray placed second, which was expected of him. So it's always hard to, you know. He peaked at the right time um, and, you know, could have won that state title. But I think guys who really progressed at the end were um, Hollis Jones. Um, he has strep throat actually going into Saturday. Uh, we didn't know that. He, he had just wasn't really practicing all that well. But, um, you know, come Saturday, I was like, hey, listen, like, are you good to go? And he was like, yep, I'm just going to go for it. Um, and ended up placing third um, with strep throat. I mean, he guy's just a warrior. Uh, doesn't you know has a motor on him just doesn't stop um and i think another good set of uh people who peaked at the right time and progressed uh throughout the season were both uh ben and joe mcdowell um ben's at 152 which is a very stacked weight class uh not just within the division but within the state as well and um that guy has just progressed he's, he's grown leaps and bounds from where he where where he came in from this past year to now, it's it's absolutely absolutely insane. And same with Joe. Joe's a big, strong one seventy pounder who um, is dangerous everywhere. Dangerous on his feet, dangerous on bottom, on top, wherever. And um, he just peaked at the right time again. Again, the, you know, wanted to place, you know, be a state champ, but he's still a junior, so he's got another full. Both those boys, the McDowell boys, are both juniors who are going to keep progressing. And I, and I think now that they understand like what that level looks like i i I think it's obtainable to them something that um i think you had mentioned previously is that it's it's it can be challenging at times like especially once you get deep into wrestling season to keep the guys motivated keep things fresh because more than a lot of other high school sports like wrestling is just so intense and requires so much physical and mental uh, preparation and conditioning and all that stuff. How did you kind of get your guys to grind through uh, the rest of of the season? I'll, I'll be full honest with you. It wasn't me that did it. It was the, it was like the team that we had. Um, I just put in the year early on. I, I just was honest. Like, listen, like there's over a thousand kids in bow, and there's only eighteen kids on this roster. So you tell me how you want these practices to go. Like, if you you tell me. How, how far you're willing to push your body because I'll keep telling you what you should be doing to be successful, but you have to make the decision. And I think our team really kind of bonded with that message. You know, some guys n- might not be coming in like in the best mindset, but they, they pull each other along and they push each other along. And it's not in like the military way where you're just beating them down, beating them down, and hopefully they rise up. It's like, nope, you're fine. Like, keep going, keep going. Um, especially in the later months of, uh, January and, and then the peak up to February, that really showed me a lot about where this team was at. And they just they're just such a good group, and they they genuinely care about each other. And I, I don't think I've been around a team this close who cares about uh, each other's uh, individual success, but also care about the team success. They're willing to do what's best for the team. And I, I don't think you find that in a lot of sports, especially one like wrestling, where it's partly team-wise and then partly individual-wise so it's just a really good group of kids we have yeah i was gonna say like that's that's uh something that that as you said like wrestling more individual in terms of you know performance base but um you know having that having that team chemistry goes a long way and kind of along those lines like you know an event like the division championship is such a like taxing event to participate in because of course you guys are having meets like that throughout the regular season, but you're not necessarily going up against the other best wrestlers in your weight class round after round after round. How do you prepare them for that? Because I imagine that's, it's, it's, it's tiring. Oh, well, yeah. I'll I'll use Hall as an example of that. I, I keep going back to him, but like, you know, he was sick and he wrestled six times that day just to get to third place. So um, mentally that's tiring and physically that's tiring but I think honestly this comes from the mindset of like you're going to be tired you're going to be there's going to be points in a match or points in the day where you're like why am I doing this or, or I just want it like this to be over and you have to not listen to that part of part of your brain that's telling you that um, 
I think that goes for all things that are hard or all things that are difficult. If you just keep pushing forward and giving it your best the entire time, I, I don't see a way you're not going to be successful. And I think our team really kind of bought into that message of like, you're going to be tired, you're going to be in pain, you're going to be this, you're going to be that. But eventually it subsides, right? Like you're never in pain, you're never tired, you're never whatever forever. You, you, it just It's in the moment. So you have to remember that you're going to be fine afterwards. What's not going to be fine is if you realize that you could have left more out there or or you could have done things differently if you had tried a little bit harder. So you got to give it 100% every single time. And I think that just comes in the practice room, just pushing yourself always in the practice room. Now, looking, looking forward, um, very successful first year for you. How do you keep building this program? So maybe you finish, you know, obviously second's a great, great start, but maybe get, get above Plymouth in, in, in next year's championships. Yeah, I, th- I we got to just keep grinding away, making the fun at the same time. Uh, there's plenty of off-season wrestling to be had, uh, not just with our own state, uh, but elsewhere. So, you know, kind of look for out-of-state out of competition or just out-of-state clubs or, or what, whatever the case may be. Obviously, Plymouth is the top dog right now, and I think they're going to be—they're always going to be the top dog. They're just very well coached. Um, but right behind us was John Stark at 101, and um, they're, again, another great young coach in Zach Peter, who's going to get his guys geared up. And him and I kind of have the same mindset of just keep making our guys progress instead of degress. And I know he has some young studs there too, who are going to be doing the same offseason workouts with us. Um, there's one of the same clubs and everything. So it's just more or less about keeping the guys together and keeping the guys motivated to eventually become state champs, both individually and as a team. Um, our team is really big right now into each other's success, but the team's success as well. So I know we're still on the high of uh, a second place finish, and, and I want them to be. They deserve that. They've worked their butts off for us. So I want them to be able to enjoy it for the next couple of weeks. But at some point, we got to like refresh and go, okay, how do we make up? the 37 and a half points we were behind Plymouth in and it's, you know, in these areas and how, and how do we, how do we put that together? So the, the, the planning period has kind of started, but we're still kind of enjoying the time that we had because we worked hard for this time. So um, we're still, we're, we're going to figure it out at some point. Absolutely. Definitely, definitely good to take some time uh, to, to enjoy the, the success because it, it as you said, it takes a lot of time and effort to, to get to that point. Uh, Bill, anything else do you want to add about what this season's been like for you guys or you know, reason for optimism with bull wrestling in the future? I think we just have a lot of good things going for us. Uh, unfortunately, we are losing Nick Ray and Hollis Jones as their uh, seniors, um, but they left a really impressionable mark on the program and myself on how committed they were to the program, so they're going to be missed. But we have a lot of young studs coming through. Um, you know, we have Chase Flag, uh, who was a freshman. He was unseated and ended up placing fourth, and uh, he gave the uh, Caden Sanborn from Plymouth a run for his money in the first round. So he, he now knows he competed at a very high level. We have guys coming back off injury, like uh, Jackson Hall, who's going to just um, come back ready to take on the world. He's already started lifting and doing his, doing his preparation for next year. On top of the fact that we have pound for pound a really great um, top-tier youth program with the Bo Brawls, Brawlers that's um, coached up by the former uh, head coach of Bo, Brock Hoffman, and his crew down there. I'm more than grateful for those guys because they're just going to keep sending me, you know, some really good, a, a good product that we can then put up for the high school level. So um, I, I think I said enough times, but like, you know, their success is our success and our success is their success. So um, we got a lot of good things coming in Bo. We just have to keep executing it and, and keep on the same path because I, I think in the next few years, we have a real shot to do some noise, not just at the D three level, but I look at the like all state level. Um, that's just how my mind works. If if we're good here, I want to be make sure that we're good around the state, not just in our own division. Well, you certainly uh, received recognition for the success that uh, you were able to oversee. I know you received votes for D three Coach of the Year, so um, that was that was well deserved recognition. Uh, Bill, thanks so much for coming on the podcast to talk about ball wrestling. It was great to have you, and uh, best of luck. I know you guys have the State Media Champions on Saturday, so good luck there. Thank you, sir. I appreciate you having me. I'll come on anytime.
here with John Stark wrestling coach Zach Feudner. Zach, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. So we'll, we had uh, Billy Chavanel on the first and uh, last interview with Bo wrestling coach. Now we're pivoting over to John Stark. You guys finished third at the D3 championships at Bo High School on February 18th. Uh, but I want to backtrack first, Zach. So this was your second year leading the program. Um, and I know it took a lot of work. What did you have, like two guys when you first took the job that you knew would be uh, would be on the team? Yeah, so last year when I first took over, uh, I, I was told I was going to have two kids. Um, you know, we did some light recruiting. I got, I got hired within a couple weeks of the season. Um, we finished the season. I brought four kids to D3s this year. We brought 12. Um, so, so big difference from year one to year two. Um, and we're only looking to grow from there. How do you go about, um, recruiting kids and, and getting, getting, getting kids to want to stick with the, the wrestling program? Yeah. So, uh, you know, I'm also a football coach, so I, I do have the, the pleasure of being in the school a little bit earlier than some wrestling coaches. Um, so, you know, I, I try to network there. Um, I got a great buy-in from the athletes we do have, so they're recruiting all the time. We run a social media pages and try to put it out there that way. Um, so, you know, just everybody buying in and everybody doing their part in recruiting is, is, is the biggest thing for that. How um, how much did you expect coming into this season to, you know, be finishing top three in the D3 championships? Was that, was that something that maybe surprised you once you got to Saturday, or was that an expectation that you had coming in? Yeah, for sure. It was, uh, you know, it was definitely a surprise in a way um, at, at, from the beginning of the season. Um, we weren't sure, you know, again, bringing four kids last year, we weren't sure what the numbers were going to look like this year. It is a tough sport for kids to start out in brand new, so what what we weren't sure what it would look like at the end of the season um i think you know towards the middle of the season you know the the expectation of being in that top five was really our goal you know going from ninth to five was, was the goal so to finish in third is definitely uh above expectations um yeah what stood out to you the most from that third place finish on saturday um you know just everybody wrestled hard um you know we're real proud of the kids um you know kids that weren't seated were going in and picking up one or two matches uh one or two wins you know kids that were you know the four seed coming in were you know gunning for third um you know so everybody was working hard picking up extra points where they could um you know and it all boiled down to taking third and you know we're excited about that how do you prepare your guys for an event like that? Because you're going up against, I mean, again, like, you know, you're at wrestling events all year where you're wrestling for long stretches of time, but you're not going ne- necessarily going up against the best kids in your weight class over and over and over again. Um, how do you prepare them just for the physical and mental challenges that arise during a- an event like that? Yeah, no. So uh, it's not something you can do, you know, right before. It's something you prepare all season for. Everything we do, you know, from week one to, you know, the end of the year, um, you know, I tell kids, you know, you could lose every match during the season. And if you just show up for D3s, that's what people are going to remember. Um, so, you know, like everything we do throughout the season builds up to that, you know, and that includes conditioning, includes mental health, not mental health, but mental toughness, you know. Um, and that's things you learn through pre- the practice room, through competing, um, you know, that's the beauty of it all is it's both an individual and team sport. And you, you learn a lot about yourself throughout the season. The, the team aspect was something that, that Bill mentioned when I talked to him. Um, and I imagine played a big role for you guys too, because as you said, like wrestling, you know, obviously you want to do well individually, but it's not as clear of a team sport as, you know, basketball or, or hockey or baseball or football or whatever. Um, how, how would you kind of say that the team camaraderie played a role in the success you guys had? Uh, it was huge. Um, I think, you know, that, that was a big selling point for us. Um, like we said, you know, we had four kids to start the season out la- or end of the season last year. Um, so out of the 15, 16 kids we were consistently having in the room this year, not a ton of wrestling experience. Um, so I don't think any of them, like, set their goals way too high. And, they, you know, they knew exactly where we were. So our big thing was the team aspect because, 
that's realistically where we were, you know. So that that was a big goal for us going forward, and, it, and it's going to continue to be the goal. Um, again, the the individual aspect is big for the sport of wrestling, but to me, the the team part's the most important. Now, who were who were some of the kids whose performances impressed you the most this year? Um, you know, so they they all did, and I could ramble forever. Um, you know, so we'll talk about first year freshman uh, Sean Crean. He was our one twenty six pounder. Um, he didn't end up placing at D threes, but he, he did have a, a tough day in a stout weight class. Um, you know, but he, he fought hard the whole time. Um, and then the other person I do want to mention is our uh, two eighty five pounder Isaac Coker, um, first year junior, came in um, second at D three. He's been competing all year against some some good competition. Um, I, I, I listened to your guys' podcast last week. You were at D1s, and as you saw, um, that, that heavyweight weight class isn't what it once was. It's it's uh, They move well for their size up there. Absolutely, yes. Um, what do you like? What do you kind of take away from this year in terms of continuing to build? Because obviously it's great to get to where you guys are this year at this point in your coaching career, but I imagine you have higher aspirations than placing third in D3s. Absolutely, um, especially considering D3s turns into D2s in a couple of years here. So, um, you know, we're, we're looking to continue to grow. Um, you know, everybody, everybody's bought in. You know, we couldn't do it without my, you know, the assistant coaches, the athletes, the parents. Everybody's got a role to play to continue to this growth. Um, you know, so um, you know, we're right back at it. You know, the, the season ends in a couple of weeks here, but we're, we're going to look to – continue that growth throughout the off season. You know, uh, a lot of the kids we have on the team now are already pushing for next year. You know, they're, they're looking at camps and clubs and all that different stuff. And, you know, I, I love to see the, the energy and the, the buy-in from everybody that we have. And I think that's going to just attract more people. Um, in terms of long-term goals, you know, we're, we're just going to see where the road takes us, but we're just going to look to continue to grow the program. Uh, Zach, anything else you want to add about you know what this year was like for you or looking ahead to the future for John Stark Wrestling? No, uh, nothing in particular. You know, like I said, I'm just thankful to have the group that we have. We have a great building block, and I, I'm excited to see what what's in store for the future. All right, Zach Feudner voted the uh, D3 Coach of the Year. I saw by his fellow coaches. Uh, so Zach, congratulations on that. Congratulations on a great year for you. I know it's taken a lot of time and effort to get this program back on track. Um, since you took over. So um, hope you can at least enjoy the success you guys had this year for a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, like I said, season's boiling down to the end. You know, we're going to take a quick break and then we're right back to the drive stone. All right, Zach. Well, thanks for coming on the podcast. It's great to have you. Thank you for having me. All right, Dan, another very busy week coming up. D1, D2 boys and girls basketball playoffs. D1 boys and girls hockey playoffs happening in the area as well. Be sure to follow the Monitor Sports uh, on the website for everything that you need to know about what's going on in the area. And for Dan and Tori, I'm Eric Winston-LaBelle. Thanks so much for joining us today. We'll be back next week.